Hello, passionate people. You are listening to Passion Harvest. Thank you so much for listening today. And as always, I'm so passionate to share these episodes with you. I'm Louisa, your host, International Passion Ambassador. Every week we share new episodes talking with people across the planet who have an inspiring, entertaining and passionate story to share, taking you on a journey to discover your passion. Hello, passionate people. We have a special guest today. Her name is Mary Rodwell. Wow, I'm so delighted to have you on the show, Mary. Mary is a professional counsellor, hypnotherapist, metaphysical teacher, researcher, author, Reiki master, and international speaker. Mary is the founder and principal of Australian Close Encounters Resource Network, ASERN. ASERN's primary role is to offer professional counselling, support, hypnotherapy and information to individuals and to their families with anomalous paranormal experiences, particularly specialising in abduction contact experiences. Mary is recognised internationally as one of Australia's leading researchers in the UFO and contact phenomenon and is the author of many books on the subject and features in several documentaries. Mary believes there is a global phenomenon, a genetic engineering program for upgrading Homo sapiens, leading to a paradigm shift in human consciousness, suggesting children are being altered and transformed on many levels through extraterrestrial encounters. Mary is passionate about this subject and welcome to Passion Harvest. It's really an honour. Thank you to have you on the show, Mary. Louisa, it's a pleasure. After that incredible introduction, <laughs> where does it start? My gosh, I was just having a look at um, some of your books. I, I guess potentially I'd love to start with your book called Awakening. How can extraterrestrials contact change your life? Well, the interesting thing with that is when I wrote it, it was because so many people were contacting me. Mm telling me about their experiences, still questioning whether it was real because of the way people interpret reality here. And it was like, how do I know it's real? If it's me, what does this mean? What does it mean for my future? Why me? All those big questions. And particularly because I've discovered through my research that this it involves families, that it often goes through intergenerational lines. So they may have had mum or dad interested in UFOs and, or granddad, for example, and not seeing the relevance of these intergenerational links. So the book, the first book, was really about giving people, if you like, a map, mm. a way of working out their own answers to the questions such as this. And each chapter was relevant to some significant part of their experience, what to do about the fear, if this is real, you know, what do I do? How do I manage it? Um, uh, psychic abilities that seem to manifest after these experiences. If you're someone who is very religious, for example, that may be very threatening because you, you know, you hear via your belief system that this is a, this is dangerous or the, you know, the, the, the demons can get you or whatever. Um, finding yourself, um, writing strange scripts or coming out with strange languages and all of this related to that bright light in the sky that, that you see every now and again when you go outside or being aware you're being taken through um, the window or the walls and being on a spaceship. What do you do? Who do you go to? And if you go to a psychologist generally, 
or a psychiatrist, we know full well what's going to happen mm-hmm. with you if you do that. So are you crazy or is in fact this a real experience? So awakening was really the process. How can I best answer those questions through accounts, stories, how you can question yourself? So it really was very important to give people a manual, if you like, because there was no such thing when I wrote it at all. There was some books about people's experiences, but nothing to say, what do you do when, or when you've got this question? How do you get an answer to this question? How do you deal with certain ex- parts of that? It's, what about my kids? I think my kids are having this experience. What do I do to support them? So being a therapist, that's my job, is to offer support and because people just didn't know where to go. Like a roadmap almost, really. Exactly. That was what awakening was. But obviously, since working with over 3,000 people and their families globally, there's a very big picture that's emerging. Um, And although awakening, and it was transformative, which is only in recent years, our surveys have shown that primarily most people having encounters across the globe Ultimately, it changes them. And for most of them, it's a transformative, positive change. So what I was looking at for myself was actually in later information and surveys was proved to be the same kind of thing. But with that came all this new information about who are these beings? Why are they visiting us? You know, if it it is real. Um, What do the children say about their experiences? Because the children themselves you know, they, you know, they're not front loaded, you know, they don't read books on this, they don't watch talk shows, they only know their experience. And when you've got a six or seven year old talking about going on spaceships at night, or learning things on another planet or whatever, complex things, you have to listen, because, you know, this isn't something they're seeing on cartoons. So the new human was about what is the big picture? What can we know about it? And this is about something where people don't realize there's not just one or two different beings out there that you see on mainstream little zetas, little greys, or, you know, you're seeing the reptilians or you're seeing um, humanoids. There is a vast array of different types of beings people are seeing from, you know, crystalline beings, light beings, energy beings, right through to feline, lion beings and whatever. A whole uh, plethora of intelligences that apparently from my research and people having the experiences this is what they're interacting with so this is a really really big picture and what does it mean for humanity and that's of course why i wrote the new human because what i'm seeing with the newer generations that metaphysicians called indigo children crystal children all these different names really is talking about a new kind of human that is manifesting a lot of new abilities and awareness that we haven't had access to so much, or certainly not in the numbers that we have now. I, I wanted to talk about that in a minute. Look, if you asked me a year ago about extraterrestrials, I would have said, you know, you're crazy. But now I'm coming more and more to, you know, believe that that is the case. I'm probably like 90 or 80 percent, but I just find it absolutely fascinating. And your book, The New Human, how I think you call them star children, how they're being genetically modified or upgraded. Um, And you talk about Asperger's and autism. It really is a plausible scenario. It really, really is. Um, And I love your 
I'm not even going to call it a theory or the way you talk about it, um, how the children are sometimes frustrated because uh, generally they wouldn't have had a vocabulary that would have been um, using telepathy to communicate, which in this human form they cannot do. They have to use their words and their voice. Um, I found that really, really interesting and a very, very possible scenario. <laughs> well, it's good to know that I'm making sense. You it's, are. It's sort of new, a new kind of area to look at. And believe me, when I started out 25 years ago, I would never have believed that I'd be saying these kinds of things now. I mean, it, it would be when I was a nurse and midwife 40 years ago, if you'd said to me, Mary, in your latter parts of your life, you'd be talking and traveling the world, talking about aliens, I'd have probably sent you to the nearest psychiatrist. <laughs> so a lot's happened to get me to this point. And I'm actually, there's a very grounded left brain part of me um, that needs to see the reality, to see the evidence. I'm not, you know, just because you're open-minded doesn't mean you're gullible. And for me, when you've got enough people saying the same things, coming out with the same kinds of questions, awareness, um, and manifesting a lot of these, what we call strange phenomena. You've got to say something's going on. They can't all be crazy. Absolutely. When you've got people who are PhDs, nurses, doctors, social workers having this experience, physicists, you, you name it, you know, celebrities, politicians. This is something that, that, doesn't matter what culture you are it doesn't matter what your belief system is you can people who've come to me have do not believe in ufos do not believe in aliens yet they're being <laughs> up on board craft i mean it's it's not about a belief that and that sort of really irritates me when the media say oh will you believe in i only have come to believe in it because of the evidence evidence yeah you're evidence-based and you you do it so articulately and um you, you don't sound crazy at all. You're, you know, you're very educated in the subject. Well, I've needed to know for myself that I'm not getting myself caught up in some kind of fantasy or whatever, mm. because I, you know, I treasure my professionalism, my background, you know, I come from a very credible background. So it's very important for me on multiple levels to understand this is real. Apart from the fact that we know there's a truth embargo on this, that there's been a certain amount now of drip feeding of the fact that you know we're getting them admitting various military are, are admitting that they've got images of certain unidentified craft which they're very careful to say they don't yet know what they are etc etc well of course they do know very well what they are but they're drip feeding the public and more and more of that is coming out now anyone who's interested in this can go and see amazing footage on the internet if you, you know, that, that, you know, is done and dusted as far as I'm concerned. There are many whistleblowers from astronauts right through to people working in the military that have seen these craft. Some of them even have interacted with the beings, for example. So all of that is there if they want to see it. And then, it, it, you know, it's like, okay, they're visiting. What are they here for? Why are they here? And are they really interacting with humans? Of course, if you know they've been visiting us and you've got evidence on cave drawings you've got evidence of all civilizations talking about star beings from our aborigines the mamu and the wangina which were the star beings that visited them they've drawn um, images of them images of spacecraft 
this wasn't, you know, some kind of fantasy. This, they were drawing what they were seeing. So all indigenous tribes know about star beings and give them different names or whatever. They know they've been visiting us all through history. The interesting thing for me was, okay, so what other evidence is there? And the evidence is actually in human DNA. I believe in, um, absolutely now that the, we are an engineered species. And the reason I say that is because there's been a number of whistleblower geneticists that have admitted they can see where we've been spliced in our genetic makeup and put together again, that we had a missing link from Neanderthal, Cro-Magnon to, to um, Homo sapiens sapiens. They can't show the evolutionary difference between them other than we had twice the brain size and 223 genes that were a sideways insertion of genetic material. They can't explain. And then on top, uh, you know, with all of that, we've got what we, what uh, I think is happening now is they're continuing that um, at a point because of where we're at technologically now. It's like these kids have got a loaded gun. They can destroy the planet. We've got to do something about giving them the moral responsibility of what they're doing. And this is what I'm talking about with the new human, the new generations coming in a lot more aware of their connection to these intelligences. Many of them are talking to them, seeing them, and older generations have been doing that, but they've been a lot more fearful of coming out with it. We know clairvoyants see spirits and talk to them, and that's almost accepted now. I was about to say it's much more acceptable currently. Yeah, I mean, 15, 20 years ago, it was still a bit woo-woo, you know, but most people acknowledge now there are people that can tap in to the non-physical realm. You know, it's, it um, are able to see orbs, for example, or able to see energy fields. All of this is coming out now where people are admitting this is, you know, it isn't a, an aberration of your sight. If you see energy fields or you can see an energy or around someone or, or whatever, people are saying, oh, well, I can sort of swallow that now because we have technology that shows it. You know, curling photography went to some other technologies now where you can see the energy fields through software. The digital, you know, the camera takes orbs, mm, shows orbs moving around. We're being shown through technology that's real that these things are, um, and people can actually physically see orbs as well as through technology. So my point is the non-physical realm is real. It's just that we've not always had the um, enough sensitivity with our perceptions to actually access it. But now some of these new humans do, and we're giving them all these dysfunctional names because we don't understand them. And we think that they, there's something wrong with them because we can't program them back into this 3D reality we all believe is the only reality when it isn't. Mm. Um, I completely agree with that. (laughs) um, Because it's a nonsense to think that uh, our physical sense is the only way that we can tap into our reality when in fact we've got this multidimensional awareness, sensing, feeling, knowing, intuition, all these kinds of things are our our non-physical reality. We can all tap into that but it's still not validated through modern psychology and psychiatry because they're still trying to get us all to only believe our senses are the only thing to trust. And most people know that's not all their reality is, but it's what we're programmed into. These new kids know that there's more to reality than that. And they are fighting it. They don't want to be programmed into that because that's not their experience. So what are we getting? Very bored kids at school. 
because they're being programmed into something they know isn't true or real, not for them, because a lot of them are seeing all these different things. Some of them give up and, and end up being programmed because, you know, mum or dad or the doctor thinks they should be slowed up sufficiently to be programmed through Ritalin or whatever else they want to shove down their faces. But they are wired differently. And they're wired differently, I believe, because these beings know that we're being programmed into the, uh, um, uh, a reality or a paradigm that's not accurate. And the best way to stop that is to wire kids differently so that they are, stay with their awareness, with their multidimensional awareness. And one of the gentlemen that I talked to that gave me the biggest clue about this was a gentleman in, in um, Hong Kong who... Um, he was in his 50s when he said, Mary, I realized in my 50s that I was ADHD. And he said, and I always saw more complexity to reality. And he said, and I thought there was something wrong with me. Mm. Said, but I could see it and I could experience it. And he wrote the book Close Encounters of the ADHD Kind. And he retranslated ADHD into always dialed into higher dimensions because that's exactly what they are. These new ones coming in are seeing and experiencing more. And another wonderful soul um, scientist, uh, Dr. Lena Olson, who's uh, a molecular biologist, um, is one of these new generations. She calls them letter people for her way of understanding, part Asperger's, part autism, part ADHD. And she said, Mary, I've measured that I have six times as much sensitivity on my skin. I can see a broader spectrum of, of light. Um, I can hear, uh, my sensitivity to hearing is expanded. Taste, all of these things are part of my awareness, she said. Um, and actually it's really hard because, because of this sensitivity. A lot of, a lot of the children are, are struggling. And she said with ADHD, they need more vitamin Bs to support them. They need different kinds of, uh, a better kind of diet because they're sensitive to pollutants and all the, the, the rubbishy food that, you know, um, is offered to us these days. And so the bottom line is, is it isn't just the one case here and there. I'm hearing of this from many families across the globe, whether it's Turkey, whether it's Europe, whether or not it's Africa or whether it's South America. So this isn't even just a cultural thing. This is a global shift in consciousness, I believe instigated by some of these benevolent non-human intelligences. Absolutely fascinating. And I love what you were talking about um, with the geneticist. We couldn't actually evolve from Homo sapiens to where we are today. There's that um, a genetic link missing. Um, really, really interesting. Gosh, <laughs> I don't know where to start. <laughs> There's so many questions I've got to ask you, but I guess why, why uh, are they watching? I mean, obviously, yes, they're here, but why are they doing that? That's the, the, the most important one. I think for most people, why are they here and why are they interacting with so many people from mm -hmm. all walks of life and cultures? I believe it's because we were designed by them, because we have their DNA. And this is the bottom line of why they're following us and our evolution, because many experiences have told me, they've been told by these beings that they seed planets, that they um, create different species on different planets. 
And I've even heard this from a, an eight-year-old child who told me that when she was taken up by the beings she knows, they were showing her genetic engineering. They were showing her doing it with different species, different plants, different animals, and they told her that this is what they do on other planets, in other universes, etc., etc. So the theme seems to be that many of these intelligences are doing this on a regular basis around the cosmos and we're just one of them that they've chosen to do this and the interesting thing is many are coming out with the fact we may be one of a number of species um, having the dna of a number of species as much as 12 some say 12 different species had a hand in creating homo sapiens sapiens and for the scientists among your audience that might be listening 223 genes that were that sideways insertion. I talked to a geneticist that worked with Dr. Francis Crick, who was co-founder of the DNA molecule. And he said to me, Mary, people may not know this, but that 223 genes is in no other species on this planet. Now that in itself is very, very significant for those that want to see that, you know, there is a really good, important basis here. And what they're hearing from these intelligences that some of them are communicating with is that they were really concerned about our technology, our advancement in it, what we can do with it. Let's face it, at the moment, it's like a three-year-old with a loaded gun that doesn't realize you can kill people. Mm. They've had to upgrade the consciousness and the awareness for you to realize and us to realize that with that comes a responsibility. And if we're not careful, we could destroy our planet and affect all of them. So the best way to get us to grow up is to activate more awareness so that we can see the consequences of our actions. And this is why we're getting children that are a lot more multidimensionally aware, children that want to do healing, children that have said their mission is to come and deal with the pollution on the planet. Others that feel very politically active, like the indigos that are rebelling against the system saying this is not good we have to do something about it so we're getting these really amazing children with different mandates coming to fix the planet or at least to to start to help us to help ourselves fix this planet and many of them will say that they're they're not from here they will say um some of them will say actually i don't like it here and i want to go home because this isn't home um, when you've got children telling you that, I don't like it here, um, but I've come here because I've got something to do. And my family is out there. And they will talk about their family being from another star system. Wow. Or another dimension. And, you know, when they talk about it, it's very, very real. It isn't like they're talking wishy in a wishy-washy way. You can ask them details. When I was speaking to a 10-year-old in Australia just a few weeks ago, he told me this is the first time he's come to this planet, that he came from another planet that actually blew up and he was blue, a blue humanoid and explained how he'd chosen this lifetime and then found himself in mum's tummy. But he said, my mum's been here a number of times, so she's going to help me uh, manage being human, he said, but I've come here to deal with the pollution on this planet. Now, this is, you know, the detail that he was telling me. From a 10-year-old, yes. You know, this is, this, you know, he even had symbols down the side of his leg. And I said, well, what are those on, on your leg from this other, other lifetime? And he explained what each symbol mean, meant as part of, 
um, the drawing of, of what he is and, um, or how he remembers himself in this other, other lifetime. This is the kind of information I've written about in The New Human because what my, my, my sense is, you know, children are too young to colour the data. They're not front-loaded. The parents are really careful about not front, you know, when people say, oh, well, maybe their parents have talked about this, maybe mm -hmm. they've put stuff on. The favourite is that. And the parents are really keen to tell me that, Mary, I've never talked about this. I've never talked about my own experiences. This is what they've come out with and told me. And I don't know what to do with it. You know, um, I don't know what to say. Um, you know, I want to support them. But some of the, the parents, um, because of their own experiences, have luckily been able to at least um, get a sense of how best to give them support. But the problem is that in mainstream, we're, they're still coming to terms with the fact that, are, you know, are we really being visited? Mm. And I'm just thinking that's just, that is, you know, that's so, so already um, there. Anyone who's interested can see their evidence. But what really needs to happen now is why are they visiting? And if they're visiting, what is their agenda? And there's many agendas, but one of them for sure is the upgrade of hum human consciousness so that we actually can be part of our star heritage. Basically, we're getting ready to join them in the stars. That is the, one of the main ultimate conclusions I've come to at this point. Really interesting. And I hear a lot of people talking about the ascension process that we're undergoing currently. Um, not everyone is. Some of us are. But from what I understand, you were saying this, I, I, I'm now hesitant to call them humans, but, you know, people in physical bodies on this planet Earth, where either a genetic modification of extraterrestrials or some have come as full extra, extraterrestrials. Is that correct? This whole thing to do with dual consciousness or hybrids is coming more and more to the fore. And a lot of people, not just of the, you know, the teenage, I mean, I've talked to teenagers that know they're hybrids, but also older generations that have said, I've always known I was a hybrid. So what does a hybrid mean? There are different kinds of hybrids. Okay. Um, actually, in truth, we're all hybrids because we're a mix of homos, you know, this, you know, our indigenous um, heritage plus the star inputs of all these different other star beings that have been part of our makeup. So in that sense, we're all hybrids, but some of us have more ET impact uh, input, if you like. And those that I've talked to that are very aware they're hybrids. Um, one of them I, I talk about, she's a 17 year old um, from Spain. And she said she had her, if you like, encoded in her DNA the moment when she was 15, when she realized through an activation that she was actually a hybrid. And she said she knows now through the downloads that her mother was taken at the point of conception and added ET DNA was added to her DNA so that she manifested more of a hybrid side rather than a human side. And so for many of them, many of us, it will happen in a different kind of a way that as we get activated, we relate more and more to our star family. In other words, as the frequencies activate some of that DNA, whether it's Pleiadian or Orion or Andromedan or whatever, we start to say, oh, I feel part of me is Pleiadian or part of me is, and it 
because that part of our DNA has been activated. So we're connecting more to our star heritage. Many of those that have had hypnosis that have um, asked the question about themselves in another lifetime have realized that they were Pleiadian in another lifetime or they were from Orion or they were from Andromeda. And so they'd come in in human form to interact this way rather than do it through telepathy and whatever because that's another way they can start to get humans to realize more of this reality that it that it is actually real so many will say you know this is why this isn't home it doesn't feel like home don't like it here it's so primitive you know <laughs> for example the 10 year old you were referring to earlier yeah i mean i talked to one young man, he's no longer nine now, but he, he asked to speak to me when I was talking to his father in the US and he said, can I speak to Mary? And I said, why do you want to speak to me? He said, well, it's because of your frequency. And then he proceeded to tell me that he was from Orion. He was a light physicist and he worked on time travel technology. And he said, and the problem here is that the scientists are not very bright. And he said, <laughs> to my understanding is Nikola Tesla but I'm way ahead of that. So they're coming in with a lot of skills to actually help this planet on multiple levels, right from the pollution to ecologically, to changing the way we treat one another. There's lots of, some are healers, empaths, some are coming and use, uh, downloading new technologies for you know different, so we're not destroying the planet through mm -hmm. pollution in the way we're doing now. So they're coming in with specific skills. And this is, again, they're aware of it. The, the new ones, the, the awakened hybrid is absolutely aware of why they're here. And they uh, know exactly what their job is. When you get an eight year old that tells you that his real family is the mantid beings, which are like, look, look like praying mantis. They don't look particularly pretty to some people, but he says, that's my family. They're my ancestors. And when I die, that's where I'm going back to being is a man to be. He said, because that's my family. I can communicate with animals and I want, my job is to help people understand that they're conscious beings and we've got to treat them with respect. So that's his job. You know, he knows at eight, he knows fully his origins. He knows uh, the different beings that are visiting him. He knows he goes on board craft and gets taught things. And he, he, I said to him, so what do you learn on the craft? And he said, well, Mary, you know, um, I'm there with other human children, but other children that are not human. He's talking about hybrid children. And I said to him, what do, how are they different? He said, oh, well, they're, often their eyes are different. He said, they're often a lot bigger. So I know that they're not human. He said, but we start to, we're taught how to use our mind, how to create things. And we're taught complex subjects. So I said to him, well, can you tell me about these complex subjects? And he said, no, he said, because you wouldn't understand. Okay. So there you go. I'm not bright enough for that. <laughs> um, I, but gen generally from your research, so just to alleviate fears, that generally it's a positive um, reason that they're here for. Absolutely. Um, the, 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 it's interesting with the research because there's so many layers to this. There are, from what some are telling me, more self-serving um, beings. Um, and that people do get to know that there are some that probably got their own agenda. There's a lot that, from what I can answer, are extremely benevolent. Because when people say to me, are oh, they creating hybrids to take over the planet? Mm. I said, we're hybrids. We've taken over the planet. We did it, you know, when they did the genetic engineering. Yeah. So 
thousand years ago. We're, we've taken it over. So I said, and the other thing is when they say, oh, well, they're going to, they're, they're, they're doing this because eventually they're going to use us in somewhere. And I said, look, they've had thousands of years to use us in all sorts of ways. And they've had technology way ahead of ours for thousands of years. Don't you think they'd have already done it? If that, <laughs> you know, come on, why are they picking now when we've got, you know, nuclear weapons and why have you, they wouldn't wait for that. I mean, yeah. to me, it's illogical. But the most compelling story about what's the outcome of all of this is really telling you whether it's positive primarily or not. And what people may not know is I am part of a, I'm one of the co-founders of an organization which is called the Dr. Edgar Mitchell Free Foundation. And that is a scientific organization. We have physicists, astrophysicists, you know, we've got um, uh, scientists of all different kinds, MDs, um, et cetera, et cetera. And what we've done is put out a survey of 600 questions. Um, and in that 600, um, we've had 4,200 responses to these 600 questions. And what we've discovered is things like, you know, would you change things? Um, how has it changed you? What kind of things have you, what kind of beings you've seen or whatever? And it's called, the book's called Beyond UFOs. And it's a book that's about this thick now with the surveys that we've done. And 85% of that 4,000 plus said they had a psycho-spiritual transformation. So ultimately, even if there's others that have an, a, a negative agenda, on the, on, when you're looking at the outcomes, the outcomes are overwhelmingly on the positive yeah. side. And that, is what, for me, was validation for writing the book Awakening, because that's what I was seeing. It changes people, and most of them in an extremely positive way. They change their diet. They often want to live more holistic lifestyles. Um, they will um, get interested in healing. They'll, they'll lose all interest in materialistic values and the big car and the yacht and whatever and want to grow their own food. Um, money is no longer part of their mandate whatsoever. And... And many of them say, my job now is to see what I can do to help the planet or help help humanity in some way or other. And many of them won't stand on an ant. They won't, you know, everything becomes precious. They feel connected to everything. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty positive to me. Very positive. And um, again, I guess, like that boy that came up to you after your talk, you mentioned that they're operating at a much higher frequency or vibration. This is what is fascinating and why I wanted to do so many chapters, not the children and also the teenagers, although I've got adult stories in there as well, is because there's a clarity and a purity to the children's understanding of their experiences and the beings they're connected to. Um, and many of them will call them their special friends. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I'm learning from them more of what their abilities are and how they can help change this planet. I was talking to a little seven-year-old when I was in the States recently, and he was we were talking on a one-to-one -one because often where I was doing a, um, a family and children workshop, if you like, and several families came to the workshop. And this little seven-year-old didn't talk a lot in the group, but he, we did a one-to-one. -one. And he was telling me how he can tell when someone's lying and when someone's telling the truth. And I said, so what do you feel like when they're not telling you the truth? He said, well, I go all cold. He said, but when they're telling the truth, I feel all warm. And then he proceeded to tell me, he said, I can speak dolphin. So 
He says, Johnny, do you want to hear it? And I said, yeah. And he then does all the clicks of the dolphin and what have you. And he also told me that he's seen Bigfoot because where we were staying, there was supposed to be a family of Bigfoot um, in, in the area. And he said, I've seen them. He said, and he, he described the ones that he'd actually seen. So once they feel safe enough to tell you things, it's quite incredible the amount of information they'll tell you about their experiences um, in terms of beings that they're seeing, beings that support them, what they learn from the beings, even to being at school and being told um, by one young 12-year-old said when she's at school, if the teacher's saying something that's inaccurate, her little being that's, that's with her that nobody can see tells her, don't take any notice of that, that's not true. This is what you need to know. So, she, so I said, do you ever mention this to your school friends? Oh no, she said, they won't understand. <laughs> but this is going on. This, yeah. is, this is going on, but there's this whole blanket of we can't talk about this, it's not safe. Because if we do, and the parents say this, they say to the kids, don't for goodness sake talk about this at school because the parents are afraid that, you know, the teachers will call the psychologists in or something else will happen because it's considered, you know, an aberration. And this is part of the reason there's such a problem. Mm. Um, I guess I'm also thinking, and I just have to ask the question about abduction. (laughs) Obviously, everyone's seen the movies, but if from your research that you've done, when we, I don't, I don't like to coin the term abduction, but what, 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 what happens during an abduction? Very important one. And all I can say is that unfortunately, that's been the only thing that most people understand with this experience. Some people have abductions and they're not abductions with ETs, first of all. They're abductions by covert agencies called the military, my lab. And these are when people who've had experiences are picked up by the military, taken to underground bases and basically interrogated. And there's a whole dark side to this that most people have no idea about. Mm. And a high percentage of those that have an abduction, it's that kind of abduction. It's done by the military because they want to know what happens on the craft. They want to know about the beings. They want to know what you know. They want to know what you're doing. So a lot of the interrogation happens. And people not knowing this will believe it's ET. And there's another reason for that. And I'm going to really stretch your audience now just a little bit. Yes, please do. We love it. (laughs) There's something called program life forms. And these are, if you like, beings that are created that are cloned and programmed and some of them are gray some of them are reptilians so when someone says and i saw a reptilian or i saw a gray it may or may not be the real thing it may actually be a programmed life form because they're created and they are used within these facilities as part of the program to get that person to believe it's ets are all bad Mm. wicked um all the rest of it, because that's the program they want out there. They're all out to get you. Now, that doesn't mean that some people are not traumatized with real ET experiences, because they can be, absolutely. I mean, if you don't know what's going on and you're aware there's a presence and then you're being taken through a wall or through um, the ceiling to a spacecraft and you see yourself having procedures done and you have no idea what's going on, you're terrified, et cetera, et cetera. You're seeing these strange beings. Yeah, it's pretty scary. Yes. You no, know, pretty scary. But there are often 
what they believe is happening and what's really happening may be two different things. And that's why people have hypnosis because they may have a, a period where they've had missing time and they want to know what's happened. And often we discover they've been taken on board craft. They may see in front of them themselves having a procedure done. Now, if they don't know what that is, it's very scary. So they have to then have the insight to know what it is. In other words, if you saw yourself um, having an operation for an appendicectomy and you didn't know what the hell was going on, and it would be terrifying for you because you, you wouldn't know. What happens is often when you're taking them into that scenario, you can get the information to find out why they've, why they've picked you up. And it may actually be a healing procedure. It may actually be taking some genetic material for something or other. And, and what I've discovered is for many people without realizing it on some deeper level, there's been a consent of some kind. But, but the other thing with this is too, um, not understanding what's going on. You, you can fear fear. Mm. You know what I mean? So I, when I help someone, I'm wanting to find out, did this really happen? Or did something else happen? And if it did, why? And one of the great things with hypnosis is you can get them to have a dialogue with whatever that presence is that's, that's picked them up. So they often find that that particular being will be one that looks familiar, that's been picking them up ever since they were a small child, for example. So it gives them a whole new picture of their interaction with these beings. And I remember doing a regression with a lovely lady in England. She was in her 60s a grandmother and her, a daughter and two grandsons had all had a memory of being taken up on a spacecraft in their car in the Midlands, sorry, uh, in the Lake District. And the grandmother had been terrified all her life. She'd had things happen. She didn't know what was going on. And she finally had wanted to look at it and find out why she'd been so scared, what was actually happening. Um, so I, I did a regression with her and what was fascinating was I said to her, I want you to go to the origin of your fear. So she goes right back in her life to two years old in the cot. And I'm saying, so what's happening? What's terrified you so much? And she says, there's two beings looking over me. Uh, I think there were two, I'm pretty certain there were two mantis beings, which would look scary to a little baby. And she said, they're looking over at me. And I said, so, okay, so are they doing anything? She said, no. I said, so, so why are you scared? And she said, because they look scary. I said, did they do anything to you? No, they're just observing me. So I said, they didn't hurt you then? She said, no. She said, but they scared me. Mm. And so what we discovered, in fact, she moved, we moved that energy of fear from her back in a procedure. There's a way you can do that in hypnosis. And when she came out of it, she was virtually dancing around the room. She said, they never hurt me. They've been with me all my life. They've been helping me all my life. And I didn't realize it. I just got scared as a little two-year-old because I didn't know who they were. So she'd spent her life in fear when, in fact, nothing had actually happened to harm her. But she just remembered this scary side. So people have to be careful sometimes in judging what the fear is because sometimes the fear is the unknown rather than the known. And once you find out what's gone on, it may in fact completely change your perception of what that experience is. So some um, realize there's a consent involved. The ones that ge generally don't appear to have the same feeling around that is the military side of it. And that can be confused as well. 
but you know that's not saying that that covers everyone because i can't do that i can only say up to now we've discovered that there is a, an, a two types of abductions the ones by the military very common and also by ets that may or may not or may, may be more self-serving than benevolent but we you know we the problem is with someone like myself as a researcher i'm looking at a minuscule amount of data yeah. compared to what i need or we all need to understand what is going on and i can only go on outcomes and primarily as i said to you we had 15 percent that were terrified and felt negative about all of this and 85 percent you know 80 to 85 percent that were actually saying the opposite of that but again in the mix of all of that is the military uh, covert agenda as, as well so you've got that in the mix which is not put out there in mainstream because these these black ops people do not want people to know that's what they're up to and that's what they're doing because that sounds almost like sci-fi x-files doesn't it it does but based on the statistical data that you've collated generally it's a very positive experience it changes people and that's people. what i'm seeing because as a therapist that's my you know you work with people with any kind of life experience my job is to help them look at their experience no matter how difficult or painful that is to find a new way of looking at it so they can move on from that they can heal from that and they can see some way of 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 seeing a different spin on it so that they no longer feel a victim so for me how do i help somebody do that the more insight they have to their experience the more then they can see the bigger picture and in that space you can get them to ask those questions and people don't realize this that when they're talking to the being in that trance mm -hmm. they're asking all the questions well why me why my kids what is it that that you're doing can you tell me more why you picked me up as a child what about this experience and you you can get them to have a dialogue within that space to get those answers because on some level they can because we're talking about you know not only the subconscious but the superconscious is involved in helping them access what they need to understand what's gone on and i'll say to them does that make sense to you does that resonate and they usually say oh i didn't understand this but yes this does okay well ask them about this you still don't understand it you want to understand that and they'll say oh they're saying this isn't this does that make sense to you yes it does right now is there anything else you need to know and then i will say has the being got anything to say to you and then you've got a different dialogue where they're, oh they're telling me about this they're telling me why this do you understand that so you've got this toing and froing so that whatever the questions are ultimately they can get a huge amount of new understanding through that dialogue in that hypnotic regression that they've needed to answer their own questions wow not your usual therapy session <laughs> no, I differently I have to tell you. Um, if you don't mind, just a few more questions. This is fascinating. Do you, with your data or with your, with your clients or people that you've spoken to, do you find there's a specific geographical location where there are more abductions or more instances of people um, connecting with alien life forms? I'm asked this quite a bit about the hotspots. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we say, oh, well, there's certain hotspots. I'm not so sure. Yes, there are places where there are high energies where I think craft are seen a lot. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that if you're part of the program, 
doesn't matter if you're in the middle of New York, they'll pick you up. It doesn't matter to them where you are. Um, they have no difficulty in picking you up, walking along a street, because the other thing people need to know, and again, I'm going to stretch them a little bit. Please do. <laughs> Love it. Um, linear time is for this planet and this, re this um, 3D paradigm, but they have an ability to stretch time or, or condense time. So in other words, they can pick you up from a park. Let's say you're sitting in a park. They can pick you up either um, physically or out of body, take you to a certain place for a number of hours and put you back and five minutes will be gone in our linear time. Mm. But they could have picked you up for five hours right. or whatever because they are not trapped into time in the way that we are, because they're coming from places that are in other light years away and they have abilities to, if you like, bend time so that in fact that they can get to these, you know, people say to me, particularly the ones, what I call the scientists and saying, Oh, you know, we can't do this. I'm saying you're talking about human physics that you understand and our technology for goodness sake. You know, don't you realize that these intelligences, some of them are thousands of years ahead of us mm. in terms of physics and what have you. All the things that you think are magical to them are just mere technology and their understanding of physics that we don't know yet. So, you know, it, it's, it frustrates me because we're always trying to put it down into human terms. And because in human terms, that's not possible. Therefore, it's impossible. No, mate. What it really means is you really haven't got to the, the party yet where you realize there's a lot more that you don't know about your reality and, your, and, and what this all is all about. I think it's the arrogance of this planet um, and us humans to think that we've got a handle on everything. When quite honestly, in terms of the intelligence pyramid, we're probably right at the very bottom somewhere, um, to be honest. So it's, it's about time we woke up, woke up and realized that these intelligences, many of them, as I say, are, are thousands of years ahead of us in terms of technology. And I have to say, while I'm saying that, is some of the military that have had these downed craft and know full well that they, can, they um, are able to go beyond light speed without any question and, and can go interstellar. They know that because there's been more than just a few craft picked up uh, over the many years. And some of them are conscious craft. They literally um, are, uh, work with the consciousness of the person that's driving the craft or, or piloting the craft. So we're talking about something that's beyond anything we understand. The military, from my sources, is, um, we understand, has technologies from these craft that are at least 30 years ahead of what we're shown. At least 30 years ahead. Uh, maybe a lot more. And these intelligences, of course, have got technologies maybe thousands of years ahead of us. So what we think can be uh, real or not real, it really we're going to have to just get over those kinds of limits and realise whether it challenges you or not in this particular way we understand physics. People know their experiences. And when you've got someone who said, I was camping in the desert, as one lady told me, I was camping in the desert, um, and I, I was uh, with a couple of friends. I've, I've forgotten where it was in Nevada or Arizona. And she said, I remember being taken. She calls herself a hybrid. And she said, I was gone for a number of weeks. And when I came back, just a day had passed in human terms. 
So we've really got to let go of anything that limits us from accepting something that may be beyond our understanding, but could very well be absolutely real. Mm, very like, possible. That it's, it's possible. And just briefly, you mentioned, I think it's my lab, the military, yeah. and you refer to them. Is that, are you, I mean, obviously I'm going off in movies and things here, but you know, there's a lot of um, talk about the US government hiding um, underground structures with research of extraterrestrials. Yeah. Is it based in the US or is it a global, is it? <laughs> it's absolutely global. Okay. Underground bases everywhere. And there's quite a few in, in Australia, um, certainly Pine Gap's one of them. Um, but there are other bases under military bases here um, that people know, know about as well. I've known a number that have been at bases in America, like Area 51. I actually went to the boundary of Area 51 and it was a bit spooky because they got the searchlights on you as soon as you, you go up to it and, it. and there's extreme force will be used if you go over the boundary. But I've talked to people, one particular gentleman who was taken into Area 51 because he's a rocket scientist and he described um, seeing one of these, these craft that is sentient uh, when he was a young boy. And he, he, we had a number of private conversations. I mean, he talks about it quite regularly now. I mean, he's a lovely guy. He's in his 70s now. Um, his name's David Adair. And anyone who wants to know about a rocket scientist and how he came to know how to build rockets when he was just a kid is because he had it all downloaded by one of these intelligences. Wow. But he actually saw one of the craft in Area 51. He was taken there by the military when they saw he was pretty cluey and wanted to get from him if he knew how it worked. And he got a real good understanding of how it worked, but he ended up making sure they didn't know either because he knew they weren't going to use it for the right reasons. Lovely, lovely gentleman. I say he's in his 70s now. But if anyone wants to look at that um, and hear his story, David Adair, he's quite an amazing, lovely, lovely man um, who may be more in our future in the next few years, more than you know. Just remember that name. Because interesting. I, I'll put all the details that we discuss anyway in the show notes for people to look up. That's very interesting. So just, um, I just want, so you, they are... Um, the military, as you call them, uh, potentially have captured an extraterrestrial and a, I'm trying to articulate my, how I say, an, an experimenting on extraterrestrials. They have captured numerous ones and it's happened in all over the globe. The Russians have, South Africa, um, and they've, a lot of them been shipped to America, South America, a whole range. I mean, some, someone quoted to me that they've, they've got over 70 plus uh, of these crafts, perhaps more. That's the only one this whistleblower knew um, in, num in numbers. So we're talking enormous numbers that they've had over the years that people have no idea about. The, the Roswell one was one of many, many um, that they've captured and whatever. Sometimes live ETs, sometimes not. Um, there's a, a book called, um, let me see, The Day After Roswell by... Colonel Corso, who was at the White House, and he talked about him uh, doing taking technology that he was given from that crash and taking it to corporations for them to reverse engineer it, like digital chips, um, fiber optics, night vision, all of those came from reverse engineered technology from the craft. For people, if you just want to know where your technology has 
expanded in the way it has. It's because some of it has been reverse engineered from crash craft. And he writes about this in called The Day After Roswell. It's Colonel Corso. He's no longer with us, but it, just before he died, he shared his understanding of the Roswell crash and, the, and, and what actually happened um, as, a, as a kind of whistleblower before he died. Wow. And I, I, I guess we're running out of time. This is so, so fascinating, but I guess I'd like to ask, have you yourself had any encounters with extraterrestrials? Not physically. In other words, I don't have any memory of going on board spacecraft and, and whatever. But let's put it like this. I work with my intuitive side. And through that, I believe I get information. I get yeah, a little like most of us do. You'll call, you'll call it a download or you'll call it... Higher consciousness or... Or whatever. And I've been doing that for a number of years. And it is something that happens to most people who are ready to start opening up. If you start finding you sensing energies around you, you're starting to see more, you can also then connect to those, whether you call them spirit guides, whether you call them your angels, whether you, whatever, your higher self, it doesn't really matter. What matters is that you're connecting to the non-physical realm and getting information. And that's one of the ways that I get helped to get insight, you know, um, as many of those that work in meditation get, they get insights, they get and it's a similar for me. And I believe some of them are these particular um, um, beings. And sometimes when I'm giving talks, people say they're seeing beings around me and whatever. And, you know, it's either as orbs or beings and they've drawn them. One's been a lion being, there's been other ones as well. So I know I'm probably working under a program um, that is getting me to do the work that I do. And certainly I feel very supported by that. Um, but I think this is a capability of all of us, that we are all actually targeted, even though you may not be aware of it yet. If you're finding you, you're wanting to change, if you're finding that you are no longer so interested in some of the ways this planet works and you want to make a difference and whatever, or feel you've got a mission or feel you've got a purpose, you're probably working with some of the family. <laughs> even wow. if you quite identified who your light being is or your your spirit guide is because your spirit guide might be a blue being with black eyes or a mantis being or whatever and you've not quite worked that out yet wow <laughs> well you're such a wonderful ambassador for them so thank you so much i guess if you don't mind i usually ask my guests as a final question and i guess it could be related to extraterrestrials if you're passionate about the higher consciousness or extraterrestrials and want to find out more um, or potentially think you're in contact with extraterrestrials, what would, what advice would you give? Well, I've got a questionnaire on my websites, both a CERN one and uh, also Mary Rodwell. And it's, it asks different kinds of questions to ones you normally would be asked. And it's all about this higher consciousness side. So if you want to find out whether this is relevant to you in some way, the questionnaire is a really good one to do and you're quite welcome to keep it or send it to me if you want to. If you feel that you're having things go on and you don't quite understand, you're welcome to email me from the, either of those websites. I've also, I'm also on Facebook. And also I'd suggest I've got lots of presentations on YouTube. Have a look at what my material is, whether or not any of that um, is a catalyst or intrigues you. If you find you're passionate about UFOs, stars, anything to do with that, it's most likely relevant to you on some level or another, because otherwise, you know, 
that that is one of the classics i go out at night and i look at the stars and i feel, feel very drawn to them i wonder why that is yeah <laughs> beautifully expressed mary thank you so much for being on passion harvest i'm really again honored and so excited to share this in with our audience so thank you very very much it's an absolute pleasure um, <laughs> anytime Take pleasure bye-bye bye-bye Thank you so much for joining me today. If you would like to know more, follow Passion Harvest on Instagram or Facebook. We would love to hear from you. Tell us how you are living your passions. Please subscribe to our podcast and please rate and review it. Share it with a friend and inspire them to develop their passion. Goodbye and until next time, keep spreading that passion.